So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your unconditional love, your grace, and your mercy that you so freely pour out upon each of us. And I thank you, Lord, for the word that you have put in Jason's heart for each of us today. Give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us. And Lord, I just thank you for the awesome privilege of being here. And Lord, I just pray now, bless him as he brings forth the word of the Lord to our hearts. Amen. Thanks, Bob. They're, uh, they're called Keith and Doreen, by the way. I forgot to say. That's, that's what they're called, allegedly. Um, we've been moving forward in the series on loving our city, and, and uh, I was tired of the same title for every sermon, so I changed this title. I didn't even ask you about this. Hope you're okay with this. Stewarding the Gifts of God, Loving Our City, Week 7. Is that okay? Mixes up a little bit, right? Thank you. Thank you. We're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because this is a powerful verse or uh, segment of scripture here uh, that talks about the gifts that he's given us. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We'll pause there for a minute. I love this phrase, the common good. It's a phrase that's used by many people who are uh, a part of, of uh, gospel movements, city-reaching uh, um, agencies and, and, and uh, um, efforts. We've been talking about this kind of thing where lots of churches and lots of people from, from all different walks get together and begin to serve the city, the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole city. And so this phrase, the common good, is often used uh, because our goal is not only to bless the church, but it's to bless our neighbors, to bless people who have no interest in God, people who are hostile to God. We want them to be blessed too. We believe it is that, that, that just like uh, a Jeremiah said to the exiles that we are to seek the peace of the city the peace and the prosperity of the city. We want everyone to be blessed. We want our graduation rates to rise. We want to see justice done. We want to see good things happen and the spirit of the Lord poured out on everybody. This reminds me of a, a meeting and I, Joshua and I, a meeting, excuse me, Joshua and I attended a, a couple of years ago. It was a luncheon. We didn't really know what we were in for, but we thought, okay, we'll go and check this out. And it was an agency that has a national presence, and they were uh, um, coming and, and, and telling us about what they're doing, and, and they're doing much with religious freedom and various things, and um, so some of it was really good, but the, the entire tone of it was very troubling. It seemed very much like this us and them thing that Pastor Joshua talked about last week. It was an awesome sermon last week on, on us and them. If you guys didn't hear it, make sure you check it out on the podcast. Um, so it was very much this us and them kind of thing, um, you know, of, of we, want, we want those people to, to make sure they, they, they boom, and we, we're going to... So we're listening to this, and I just wanted out of there, and I see this look on his face. 
I'm like, oh no, here it comes. He raises his hand. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and he says, well, but are you loving your city? <laughs> okay, I don't remember exactly, but it's something to that effect. Like, don't you actually care about the people that you're talking about? Because all you're talking about is us getting our kind of stuff. And here, here was his answer. Well, you know, we've done some service projects to, a, to put a good face on it. I turned, I'm like, can we go? I want out of here. I want no part of being in this thing. We, put, we serve to put a good face on it. That is the epitome of us and them. The Lord calls us to serve the common good. You see that? Everybody. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts in order to do that, even those that we're opposed to. So we in the church have got to become bridge builders, and we've got to be able to reach out to people even if they have no interest in, 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 in God yet. All right. Continue. For one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, to the uninitiated, this list can seem weird and a little bit scary and, and uh, just rest assured, God's a good God and he does lots of cool creative things and it's really not scary, but that's actually not what I wanna focus on directly this morning. I, I wanna instead pan back a little bit and, and ask something here, uh, ask this question. Who are the gifts for? Now think about this. He just listed a whole bunch of things the Holy Spirit gives. Who are they actually for? You know, you've got wisdom, you've got knowledge, you've got faith, you've got miracles, you've got healings, you've got all kinds of things going on for. Now there's a lot of debate on whether the gifts of the Spirit, you know, what their place is in the church, but I'm much more interested in this question. Also, I don't have a problem with the other question. But anyway, uh, I, I'm more interested in this. It, if they are for me, so I can put a plaque on my wall, then I'm not interested. If, if this is simply for a personality profile that you can cut and paste into your Twitter, not interested. Well, I'm ENTP, here are my strengths from the Clifton Strengths Finders, and also I have the spiritual gifts of interpretation and healing. Two, I got two gifts. I'm gonna put up a sign on my wall. It's gonna look nice. That's not what this is. Check this out. All of these are gifts that are to be given away in ministry. The gifts of the Spirit are not for you. They're for others. That's the entire point. He gives these things so that you can minister. Remember, you're the priesthood of all believers. You are, you are priests of the Lord, and you are in ministry. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for that ministry. You with me yet? Okay. This reminds me, actually, of this wonderful section in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Who's, who's read the Chronicles of Narnia here, C.S. Lewis? Oh, that's good. Uh, um, who, who has, who, who's, who's read it, like, within the last 10 years? Oh, look at that, within the last 10 years, that's good. So the rest of you have homework. 
Wonderful books. They're not actually kids' books. Read these. They're beautiful, beautiful books. Okay, C.S. Lewis. Um, of course, he's my hero. You guys know that. Um, there's one section in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where uh, uh, the kids are in Narnia, and, and they hear these sleigh bells, and, and, and out of the blue shows, shows up Father Christmas. What in the world is he doing here? Um, he, he gives gifts to the children, and uh, um, they are interesting. One's a sword, One's a cordial that will heal any wound or any disease with one drop. One's a horn that at any time you, you blow it, help will come, even if it's help from another world. And one is a, a, is a bow uh, with a quiver of arrows. All of these things he was giving for the battle that was going to come. You see, there was, there was a, a, a great purpose. There was a great task that they had to come uh, to, to, to do and in order to accomplish that, they needed these gifts. This is exactly where we are. We have things that we're called to accomplish corporately and individually as a part of bigger corporate efforts. In order to accomplish those things, we need the gifts of the Lord. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now we're gonna expand this beyond just the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, specifically that list. This is also true of the gifts, the regular gifts and talents that he's given us, the regular things that you're really good at, and also the passions that you have. Do you know those good passions you have? Those are God-breathed. Did you know that? You might have a burden for a certain kind of ministry that your neighbor doesn't have. That's God-breathed right there. All of these we have for a reason, and they're, di they're different. Uh, for, for the body does not consist of of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. In other words, that's lame, that doesn't work. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. But I'm just so different. Yes, that's a good thing. We don't need more of me, friends, I promise you. No more shirts with my face on them that go all over either. We don't need more of, each, of any of us. We need you. We need the differences, the beautiful things that he's put in you. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. There's a diversity of gifts and talents and passions that we see in the body of Christ. And it's not only this beautiful sentimental fact, it is a practical, strategic necessity. In other words, God making us very different was a very smart thing, and he did it on purpose. It was strategic. In other words, if we're going to sum up this passage we just read, God's given each of us gifts. These gifts are intended to be given, given away in ministry to others. 
They are all valuable gifts, and they are designed to work together with other people's gifts. Now, you guys know that I'm a big sports fan. I'm a big basketball fan, and I'm kind of sad because tonight is the last game of the basketball season. However, it's game seven, and it's going to be awesome. Go Warriors. But I heard a boo in there somewhere. There's there's a LeBron fan in the house. I can smell it. Um, So uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a game. It was a very intense basketball game. Non-sports fans, stay in with me here. I I promise I'm going somewhere. So there was a very intense game, and at halftime, the analysts were talking about it. And, you know, they've all got their takes. And, and there, the, the best player on, on the, the team that was losing was, was being talked about. And some were going, you know what? He's, he's, just, he's, he's doing okay. He needs to make some improvements. He's taking too many shots. But overall, he's doing all right. It comes to Charles Barkley. You guys know who Charles Barkley is? He's one of the greatest power forwards in NBA history. And he's famous for being, well, he says anything that comes in his mind. He has no filter which is why he gets paid a lot of money on this. So it comes to him, and he said, I don't know what you guys are talking about. He's playing terrible. <laughs> and they go, whoa. And he goes, he's trying to play hero ball. So every time he goes down the court, what's he doing? Is he looking to pass the ball to his teammates? That's what got him here, but he's not doing that. You know what he's doing? He's taking 25-foot jump shots, or he's trying to take somebody off the dribble, and the entire defense has collapsed on him. He's taking dumb shots. He's playing hero ball, and it's killing him. And I love that term, hero ball. I'm like, I like this. And he was exactly right. By the way, they went on to lose the game and that series because of that very fact, hero ball. Now, it's embarrassing to watch somebody trying to play hero ball in basketball, but it's even more embarrassing to watch them try to do that in ministry. Hmm. So, I'm going to zoom, I'm going to go up to 30,000 feet here real quick, okay? As we're working in this sort of strategy in in gospel movements and stuff, um, these are some of the things that the leaders are are learning, including us. We're we're getting a a great education. And uh, so I just want to show you a little bit of history of what's happened with the church trying to reach the city. You started out just with local churches, and the idea was, okay, the local church will reach the city. As people uh, become discipled and evangelized, people will come to church, they'll get saved to the altar call, and they'll get transformed, and then the city will be changed, okay? But then people start saying, yeah, but the problem is, is that people are staying in the church. So what we need to do is start majoring on evangelism. So they started forming different agencies, parachurch agencies that would, you know, missions agencies or uh, uh, specific evangelistic agencies that might focus on students or uh, uh, immigrants or, you know, all, all different groups. We need to reach the, them with the gospel, get the church outside the four walls. So that was good. But then they started noticing, yeah, but there, we need more than that. It's got to be more than that. The problem, we're not seeing great success. And the problem is we're not praying enough. So the prayer movement started in earnest. They said, you know what? We've got to get back to falling on our faces for hours and hours and and asking the presence of God to come. And when that happens, then the city will be transformed. And and then, so that begins to happen and houses of prayer start coming up and churches start taking prayer more seriously. But then others come up and they say, yeah, the problem is we're not serving the poor and the oppressed. Now, I know that term social justice is loaded and it loaded politically. I would have used a different term, but I mean this in the best sense of this term. Just put it that way. So we need to serve the poor and, and the oppressed. And if we're not doing that, then what are we doing? We're not doing the very thing Jesus called us to do. So let's get out and get our hands dirty. 
And people say, yeah, okay, all right, that's really good and true. All these things are good. But who's going to pay for all this, first of all? And why in the world are we not using the relationships we already have on a daily basis? We all have jobs. We all have PTA meetings and baseball games and all these things. Why don't we start to, to use these connections we already have, minister to these people, and take the resources that we have in business and begin to fund all these other things you guys want to do? You see that? Okay, so now you've got five different areas here. Now you can break these down in different ways if you want to. It doesn't really matter. You see the, the picture, people having things that they want to really focus on and thinking, if everyone got this, it would change. The city would be transformed if you could just get this. So here's what is beginning to happen now with gospel movements. They're not all becoming one entity. There's unity in diversity. And what happens is you start, when you start to honor the different gifts that are around, the different passions that are around, and you begin to coordinate, then things really actually begin to happen. So let me give you an example. When uh, uh, Joshua and I were up at the uh, uh, City Reaching Roundtable a couple of years ago, and Mark Willem was there too. Is Mark in here? There he is. He's way in the back. Very good. We were talking about some of these things. And um, what they did is they, they, there was a room full of probably 150 people from cities all around the world that were trying to see this kind of thing take place. And they split us up into different tables that were really basically this list. They said, okay, if you are a leader in a local church, go to this table. If you are in a parachurch ministry, go to this table. If you're in the prayer movement, go here, marketplace here, etc." And so once we got there, they said this, I want you guys to make a list, discuss and list a couple of things that you appreciate about every single other stream, about the other tables around the room. And then I want you to write down the, a thing that frustrates you about them. And if, if they could know one thing, what would you want them to know about your stream and how this relationship is going? It was an amazing two hours. It really was. It was so cool. And here's what came out of that. Well, Mark ends up going to the marketplace side, and then he ended up presenting for the marketplace side. So Joshua and I were sitting at the pastor's table, and it was when it was the marketplace's side, turn to share what they wanted the church to know. It was awesome. It stung a little bit, didn't it? Just a little bit. But it was good, man. It was awesome. So, but here's what came out of that. What came out was this. We have got to appreciate the gifts and the passions and the callings of other people that have different gifts and passions and callings than us. We've got to appreciate them. So what, what, what came up over and over again in these different conversations was, look, I love what you guys are doing. Just remember that we're right here doing this. And sometimes when you do this, you're swerving over into this which actually we do better than you do. You're better over here. So do the thing that you're awesome at, but you're making us less effective over here. And it was this beautiful discussion, guys. It was amazing. And this uh, um, can be a powerful thing when we, when we can look around to realize the gifts and callings that others have. Now, let me bring you back down from 30,000 feet, go away from city leadership strategy to right here where we are in this room. There are three mindsets that will keep us from loving our city effectively. The first one is this. 
I don't have enough to offer. If you have this mindset, I don't have enough to offer, it probably goes something like this, you know. Um, I, 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 uh, I'm just an ear, what can I do? I don't have enough to offer, so what's the result of that? We, we stay on the bench. We don't get involved in the beautiful things that are happening around because we don't think we're worthy. And you know, here's the, here's the saddest thing. Our neighbors end up missing out on the gifts that you have for them. Because remember, those gifts that you have are for them, not for you. So if you don't think you have enough to offer and end up staying on the bench, they miss out on those things. And then you miss out on the joy of giving them away. So everyone ends up suffering because you're trying really hard to be humble, but it's not actually working real well. He's given each of us gifts and talents, and it's okay to acknowledge those, friends. It's really okay, I promise you it's not pride. To say, you know what, he's gifted me in this area, so I'm gonna serve in this area. That's not pride. That is cooperation with your father. That's being about the father's business. You do have something to offer, I promise you that. Here's another mindset. I'm the only one who gets it. If you have this mindset, you are not going to be effective at loving your city. You might have short-term success, but it's not going to last long. Uh, here's, here's the results. If you have this mindset, you're going to tear down the good that others are doing, and you're going to end up killing relationships that could have been fruitful because you end up devaluing the other passions and gifts that other people have. That's a shame because a lot of times the passion that you have, here's the way it goes a lot of times. You'll see this. You see this in all these like, articles that'll pop up. Hey, church, this is the reason everyone's leaving you. Here it is. If you do this, then everyone will stay. In other words, if you do the things I want you to do, everything will turn out okay. Which is so arrogant, I don't even know where to begin. Here's the thing. If you have a passion for something that the church isn't doing, and you're like, I really wish the church would do this, there's a very good chance that maybe, well, you could be off, or you could be exactly right. But who's going to do that? Maybe it's supposed to be you. There was a dangerous thing. If you're in Youth of the Mission, Carlton and Jordan, I'm sure, can attest to this, because this happens very quickly. If you have an idea, you've got to be careful about sharing an idea in a staff meeting. You've got to be super careful. Because first of all, YWAM is a very flexible entity, and it changes, it's like a shapeshifter. It can just, you know. Um, if you have an idea for a ministry, yeah, you know what? I'm just thinking, why aren't we like working with these kids out here? I mean, look at them. They're right out there. Every day they're out there. Why aren't we working with them? And then you know what they're going to say? That's a great idea. So when do you want to do that? <laughs> well, I didn't mean me. I mean somebody because this is ridiculous. That no, Well, that, great. So do it. That's a great idea. There's a lot of great ideas. That's a great idea. So get some people to help you. Yeah, but I didn't mean me. Well, you brought it up. If you're carrying the passion for it, maybe you are actually the right person to do it. You see that? So don't let it turn to criticism. If you have a desire for something, maybe that is just the call you need. Because people need the results of your passions. You probably have a desire to help in a lot of these different areas because the Holy Spirit put that desire in you to be a blessing but you're not the only one who gets it. Like, can, can I just say that to everybody? 
you're not the only one who gets it. <laughs> you're not. And neither am I. And I'm so happy because that'd be so depressing if I was the only one who got it. And a lot of people live in that very small world, as G.K. Chesterton would say. What a small world you must live in where you're the only one who understands anything. Fortunately, we live in a big kingdom, and we all have the same Holy Spirit who speaks to all of us. And it's going to take all of us to reach the city. The third mindset that will keep you from loving your city effectively is this. Since people aren't doing enough, I'll do it myself. Okay. You know what that's called? Hero ball. Well, <clears throat> all right. Yeah, I know. I'm working 80 hours and I'm doing foster care and I'm reaching these guys and doing this and doing this. But now this needs to be done. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because nobody else will do it. So I can do this. I promise you. It's going to be great. Who's with me? Listen. I really do admire tenacity. Like, it's amazing that people have that desire. But this ultimately, here's what's gonna, here's the result of this mindset. You're gonna live under constant condemnation that you're not doing enough. Your joy is gonna be sapped and you're gonna burn out. That is virtually guaranteed. It's virtually guaranteed. You're going to always be, every time you see something, it doesn't matter if you have no strength to do it. It doesn't matter if you have no gifting to do it. It doesn't matter anything about that. All that means is like, that's a thing and I better go do that. That's called hero ball. It's going to kill you. We need one another, guys. We need one another. And if you have a huge heart and are wanting to help in a thousand different areas, I so admire that, but we need to have some more strategy because you are limited and you need to respect that about yourself. If God gave you the capacity to serve and fix everything, why, you wouldn't need the church. As it is, he's given you some things. He's given your neighbor other things. So if you have that tendency, I wanna ask you, will you begin to trust your neighbors? Will you begin to share the vision that you have to inspire others to maybe take up some of these things that are on your heart? But you can't do it alone. It's gonna make you miserable and it's gonna make your family crazy. We've seen this happen in ministry over and over again. And people will you know, use this term, sacrifice your family at the altar of ministry. Guys, it happens over and over again. And it's not worth it. And it's not what Jesus calls us to. So those are three mindsets. Now, I just want to present you guys with, with just this challenge as we close. Two questions. Number one, are you stewarding the gifts that God's blessed you with? You have gifts. You have amazing things to give to others. Are you stewarding those gifts? In other words, are you actively serving others? If not, it might be time to get in the game. You don't need to ride the bench. Your part does matter. And if you don't know what your part is, just jump in with something that your brothers and sisters are doing. And I, you know what? I bet you'll end up being a blessing. And I bet you'll end up realizing things about yourself that maybe you even had more gifts than you realized before. Finally, are you trusting that God is working through the gifts of others as well? Are you trusting that the same spirit that's in you is also in them? 
We've got to work together. We've got to minister in teams. We've got to minister as brothers and sisters who realize that we all have a part. We all have a piece. We all look like Jesus in a different way. Prayer servant team, can you uh, come forward? Prayer servant team. Let's stand together. invite you to close your eyes here. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to us. We invite you to inspire us afresh with your words, with your direction, with your vision. Because Lord, you're so much better at this than we could ever hope to be. So Lord, where there needs to be conviction, I pray that you'd bring it. Where there needs to be inspiration, I pray that you'd bring it. And Lord, where there just needs to be peace, I ask you to bring it. In the name of Jesus. Mark? Uh, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And, um, and then it's up to us to receive that and open that door and allow him to come into our hearts. And so let's just pray right now. Will you guys repeat after me? Jesus, I want to open the door to my heart. I want to receive you and what you have for me. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to repent of my sins and ask your spirit to fill my heart that I can make these changes that Jason's talked about in our community, starting in my life. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Prayer Servant Team is available. Um, I want to remind you guys about Tuesday. Let's go serve. This might be the, a, a wonderful first step for some of us. Let's go and serve our brothers and sisters at the mission. Amen? Amen. Thank you all for being here. Carlton and Jordan are going to be in the back with a basket as well.